It's not like any other podcast. Coming to you straight from the heartland, where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. Yeah, so before we get started and I answer your um, IRA question, uh, make sure that if you're interested in getting uh, information from me in the mail, yep, I said the mail, mailbox, paper, ink, um, some of you may remember that. Uh, if, if you're interested in that, uh, you should contact me, send me an email. Uh, my contact information is all over the place, so it's not hard to find out how to get a hold of me. And that way you get some nice goodies in the mail from me from time to time. You know, So for example, here's a newsletter, talk about what's going on here in the heartland. Uh, this issue, this latest issue, I talk about how I decorate my office in money. Yep, instead of, you know, pictures and all that, I've got like pictures and plaques of money. And so I talk about that. Uh, sheets of money framed. Um, what else do I got in here? I go over what we've been up to property-wise, what we're involved in, what's going on there. Uh, talk about Iowa life. A little thing about Jesse James when he was in Iowa. That's in there. Um <clears throat> Let's see, also multifamily investments in the NFL draft I talk about. So we have a lot of fun with the newsletter. And you should really be on my mailing list if you're not and get it in the mail. Um, and that's not to say you, you look at it every single month. I know some of you guys get it and, and you know, admit, you, you know, open it every, you know, and look at it right when it comes in the mail. Some months you do, some months you don't. Um, but it's a good idea to get it because uh, that makes sure that our communication doesn't get interrupted by some weird digital um, event. And um, you know, also a couple other cool things. You know, little magazines you'll get from me from time to time. You know, talking about Iowa, what's going on. You guys get this from me, uh, and some other cool things. So it's good to be on my mailing list, not just email. And I know emails is kind of convenient. Oh, the other thing that I'll do is I'll give you an idea what I'm up to. Like right now, we're in the process of uh, um, dealing and petitioning property taxes. So here's the uh, property tax appeal info. We're doing that, and I kind of talk to my uh, uh, to my my pe people about what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. And so lots of cool stuff. And if you're not on my mailing list, again, you probably should be. And you know, adding a few more people to my mailing list is not a big deal. And that way you are connected to me. Uh, there won't be some digital event. And everybody in here is on my mailing list, so it doesn't really pertain so much to you. I'm mainly talking to folks listening, either on podcast or on video right now. But yeah, you should be getting some of this stuff. I'll also give you an idea what we're up to when we're looking at properties. Here's some property info. So. Um, once in a while you might get a book from me so it, anyway it's a good idea to be on my list my mailing real mail delivered to your mailbox uh, and all you need to do is just simply send me an email and just basically say hey Darren uh, I want to be on your mailing list here's my mailing address uh, put me on the list and let me get your stuff and at least 
I don't know, once a month anyway, you'll be getting some stuff from me. So good idea. All right, so you wanted to talk about IRAs. And I wanted to get this on this week's podcast and talk about this a little bit because uh, we were talking about it earlier this morning. And uh, there's some really, really good things about IRA investing and owning apartment communities. Uh, there's some things you got to be careful of, too. And uh, a lot of people know about um, the positive aspects of this, but they don't know about maybe some downside of this or some things that they, they, they um, may be surprised about. So let's talk about that. Uh, and let's kind of take a step back for just a second. And let's discuss IRA investing. And uh, I, I kind of stumbled on this um, probably about 15 years ago. And at first, I had heard about it, that you could invest your IRA, 401k, in just about anything. And there are exceptions. I mean, um, I think like art, precious art, and there's like a few exceptions where they, you know, um, the regulators say, yeah, you can't invest your IRA. But there's quite a few things, including real estate. And I heard about this, but I, you know, I always thought it must be difficult, must be hard, um, you know, it sounds like, you know, a headache and why I'll just leave it in a mutual fund, a lot easier and don't have to worry about it, right? Uh, so I started getting more and more uh, investors, you know, like you guys and, and you guys, uh, asking me about this. And so I started to really dig into this and was part of a uh, marketing mastermind group where one of the people in that group, big real estate guy, but he was a big um, home flipper. So he was a single family home buyer, home flipper, lease option, you know, get rich in real estate kind of guy. And he had a lot of his clients doing this so they would use their IRA, buy a house, fix it up, turn around, sell it, and you know, whatever the profits would be, they would make those, and of course it'd be tax deferred since it was in an IRA. Uh, so I, you know, I, the more I heard about it, talking to him and what his students were doing, I really got serious about it. So serious, in fact, that once I really got into um, feeling comfortable enough to do this myself, I did it myself. So when I'm talking to you about 401k and IRA investing, I'm telling you from the standpoint of I'm doing it myself. So I'm not one of these guys that is talking about why you should do it, uh, and I don't do it. <laughs> um, it's coming straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Okay. Uh, so uh, the real first project I did this in was 164 unit property and you talk about a great IRA investment I mean it's doubled you know so the amount of money I put in IRA 401k it's now doubled today and so of course all of that is tax deferred and I've got other clients and you know, um, investors that have had you know some really good gains from their IRA and have um, benefited big time from it big time so let's just make sure you understand. It is something most everybody should consider. Uh, but here's like the caveat though. 
most people, their biggest chunk of cash, their biggest chunk of money for most, most, not all, but most is sitting in a retirement account somewhere. And of course, the older you get, the more of a, 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 a the bigger the pile is, okay? And so not surprisingly, when I'm talking to investors, uh, quite a bit of the conversation is about their where their big pile of money is at, and that is usually in an IRA or 401k. So it makes sense that they would be looking to invest at least some of that in uh, apartment communities, especially here in the heartland. It's conservative. It's pretty predictable. Uh, there's not a bunch of wild upswings in the market. Um, you know, you're dealing with people that have got experience, so it makes sense to be, you know, considering it. Um, so I get this question a lot. And yeah, you should consider it, but the caveat that I was referring to is, I really don't suggest it is, if it is your only real pile of cash you've got. Okay, so uh, let me use an extreme example. So if you have $50,000 in an IRA right now, and that's all the cash you've really got. Yeah, I know, you really, you got to, if you withdraw it, there's penalties. and Okay, so that aside. But that's all you got. You got $50,000 in cash, $50,000 in an IRA somewhere. And you've got $7,438 in a savings account over it. Family Merchants Bank. Then you shouldn't be taking your whole IRA and putting it into an apartment community. Okay? I don't recommend that. Um, because now all you got is, you know, the money sitting over here. And so I recommend, you know, maybe instead of the 50, you do the 25. Uh, now it's a different story if you have... Um, you know, $840,000 in an IRA, and you've got, you know, a million bucks over here in this, you've got a business you own over here, you've got, you know, so you've got more, um, more poles in the water, is how we used to describe it. Then, yeah, I mean, put the whole thing in. But I don't recommend that if you've got 15 grand in your IRA, you don't have a lot of sophistication with investing yet, especially in multifamily. It's something you want to do. I think you want to take a little bit more time, even though, you know, patience, I'm not a patient guy, to build that up, get that account a little bit bigger, then go ahead and invest some of that. Okay, I just don't recommend invest if it's your last penny you got and it's in the IRA that, that you invest the whole thing and hope it all works out. Because sometimes they don't work out. Most of the time they do, but there's no guarantees here. Um, so yeah, you should look at investing your IRA. You should put some money in multifamily. Uh, but I don't recommend if, 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 if it's your last penny you got, you drain the account and put it all into property J or property X and, you know, hope things work. Okay, so that's like my number one caveat. Um, my number two caveat is, uh, no matter where you invest your IRA in real estate, most of the time when you do this, 
you will be getting financing from somewhere. Okay? Whether you're a partner in a multifamily purchase, or whether you're buying a four-unit property yourself with your IRA, uh, you're buying a single-family home with your IRA as an investment, or you're entering into a partnership, a 400-unit apartment community, whatever it is. You need to make sure you understand, anytime you get financing, there's two things that you've got to really be aware of here. One's a big deal. The other one's not that big of a deal, but you still got to know about it. Number one is personal loan guarantees. Personal loan guarantees. So, I'm talking to one of my um, uh, clients that I mentor, and he has a partnership that has recently purchased um, an apartment community. Great. Things are working out. Things are going. Things are rocking and rolling for him. And so we're on kind of a catch-up call after the purchase, and we're going over stuff. And, and so he says to me, he says, yeah, and we had a little trouble with Bill's IRA, but, you know, we got things figured out, and we're all good to go. And I recalled earlier in the conversation, he was talking about personal loan guarantees. So I said, hey, wait a minute. Um, did Bill sign a personal guarantee on the loan? Uh, yeah, he did. Uh-oh. You can't do that. Can't do that. You've got to now go through the process of extricating Bill from that personal loan guarantee. And, you know, we left the conversation. I'm sure he did. I didn't hear back, but he needed to do that. So why did he need to do that? When you invest your IRA, I'll, I'll try to put it as simply as I can, and you get financing, debt financing, if you sign a personal loan guarantee, remember, a personal loan guarantee basically says, if everything goes to shit and you default, we're coming after your personal assets. Okay? Well, one of your assets is your IRA. Now, in many instances, your IRA still can't be touched if those situations happen. However, the way that the IRS reads this is when you sign a personal loan guarantee, you're essentially putting your IRA up as collateral for it. Thereby, we consider this a withdrawal. Okay? It's not exactly that, but that's pretty much how it's interpreted. Okay? Well, you don't want to invest in a property, sign a personal loan guarantee, and then somebody thinks because you've done that, you've withdrawn your IRA. That kind of defeats the purpose, right? So, in order to stay away from that, whenever you buy anything, you invest in a partnership, you buy a single-family home, you buy a piece of land, you buy a farm, um, you buy a house in, at the University of Iowa, for your kid to live in while your kid's going to school there and you're going to use your IRA to do that, whatever it is, you do not, you do not, you do not sign personal loan guarantees. Okay? And you got to be careful. Lenders are not like um, uh, 
sneaky about this. That's not that's not it at all. They're not. That's just part of what they do. You know, note mortgage. So in Iowa, it's note mortgage loan guarantee. I mean, it's just boom, boom, boom. Stamp it out. Stamp it out. So it's not like they're sneaky about this and saying, oh, well, here's the loan. Here's the personal here's the personal guarantee. No, it's just part of what they do. But because it's so routine for them and for many and for most lenders, you know, they'll just it's just like shuffling cards. They shuffle out the paperwork, you sign it, and part of the deck, the card that's in the deck are personal loan guarantees. So you gotta make sure that you, when you talk to whoever you're working with, whether it's a lender, um, whether it's the person you're investing with that's the manager of the partnership, uh, that that's being put together. You know, whatever it is, you just got to make sure somebody's aware that you just can't do that. And don't assume that lenders know this because they don't. Don't assume that the manager or the general partner or whoever else in your partnership knows this because a lot of times they don't. Okay, a lot of times they don't. Because the worst thing that can happen is you get into just a grand slam investment with your IRA, have the income coming in tax deferred, have the proceeds upon the sale, whenever that is, come in tax deferred, um, and then you're screwed because it's considered a withdrawal because you signed a personal loan guarantee. Bad news. So that's number one. Number two, you're also subject to unearned business income tax. That's the IRS code for, hey, even though you've invested your IRA and it's supposed to be tax deferred, uh, and we figured out a way to tax you anyway. <laughs> That's really what that is. And that is really taxing you on the amount of debt that's relieved when the loan payments are made that you would be subject to tax for. So think of it this way. And we're not going to get into the weeds on this, but every every month you make a loan payment, your principal balance goes down. Thereby, you're building what equity. So this is their way of pretty much looking to tax you on that yearly equity buildup, okay? Outside of interest that you're paying, okay? By the way, this isn't this isn't a big number typically. It's usually not a big deal. So it's not like you want to go into full blown holy shit analysis on this in terms of, oh, what's my UBIT going to be and how much is it going to be and how much am I... So you're going to probably pay a little bit of UBIT tax, unearned business income tax when you do this. But for most people, it costs you more to have the, the proper form prepared and filed with your tax return in a lot of cases than it is for um, the cost of your tax. Okay, for most people, not all, but for most. So in my opinion, it's nothing to be like stressed out about or spend five days researching, but you just, you want to know about it and you do want to look into it. So we talked about personal guarantees with investing your IRA or 401k. We talked about um, UBIT tax. Okay. Um, and let me hit a couple of points that should be kind of common sense, but Sometimes I find out people just don't really, you know, think about it and retain it. So number one is depreciation. Depreciation, okay? So let's, outside of IRA, let's say you invest regular money. Okay, if you invest regular money, one of the nice things you get to take advantage of is use depreciation on your tax return as an expense. 
So the IRS still, thank goodness, they still allow you to treat the costs of interest and depreciation on your tax return as an expense. Okay, so the good news is you could have a positive cash flow this year from your investment of $20,000. But after you take into account depreciation, interest, you may be able to file on your tax return a loss of $4,000. And that's pretty cool. So it's nice to put $20,000 in your pocket, but you can write off a loss of $4,000 due mainly to depreciation and interest deductions. Now, over time, that gets smaller because you pay less interest over time, okay? Uh, but when you invest your IRA, because that income is already tax deferred, you don't get to double dip. So you don't get to get your um, tax deferment with your IRA and use depreciation. No, 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 no. They're not going to let you do that. It'd be nice. It'd be real nice, but they will not let you uh, do that. Um, and I'm talking about our folks in the United States government. They won't let you, they won't allow that to happen. Uh, I get that question quite a bit. So if I IRA, can I still do depreciation? No, you can't. Uh, not when it's a tax deferred investment. Now the good part of it is you don't have to worry about a lot of that depreciation schedules. How much interest did we have this? You don't have to worry about that, um, which is kind of nice but you're, you don't get that benefit, okay? Uh, the next thing to be aware of with IRA 401k investing is you will need to first establish an account with what is called a self-directed IRA custodian. Self-directed IRA custodian. Because a lot of people are surprised that a lot of bigger, more well-known companies uh, don't uh, allow them the ability to self-direct and invest the IRA monies where they, that they've got sitting there where they want. They're not going to do that. Why is that the case? Because they pay fund managers hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. So they're not going to pay fund managers hundreds of millions of dollars to run the fund that your money's sitting in and then allow you to self-direct and figure out wherever you want to invest your money. No, 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 they're not going to do that. Uh, Wall Street's not going to let you do that. So what you need to do is take some of that money you've got sitting in some of those larger, more well-known funds that spend hundreds of millions of dollars of advertising to you on... Um, TV, video, whatever, and pull some money out of there and transfer it over to a company that allows you to then invest your IRA wherever you want, provided it's in those you know, legal areas. Of course, we're talking about real estate right now. So I had a friend and a client that had a bunch of money sitting at Fidelity, in a Fidelity account. And Fidelity's, you know, the, is the big monster of Wall Street. Okay, I don't know how many billions they manage, but it's a ton. And he calls them and wanted to, hey, can I take some of my money, self-direct it? And they're like, no, <laughs> you can't. Uh, you know, they were giving him, you know, they, they could have assisted him by having him jump through 25 hoops and all that. But he was just better off taking some of that and transferring it over and then 
going from there and then, you know, getting involved. And he ultimately got involved in a 100-unit apartment community with that. Uh, so it's good to know that. Uh, because a lot of people think, well, I've got my money with ABC Company. They should be able to get a handle on this. A lot of times they don't. Uh, a lot of times they don't. Related to that, though, you've got to remember that when you have a self-directed IRA, it requires a little bit of special treatment, special paperwork, okay, and a little more time, effort, and energy. Now, just so you know, the process is very easy. It's easy to invest your IRA or 401k. It's very easy to do. So don't get bogged down with that. But just keep in mind, because there are more layers and more processes with this, you're going to be paying your self-directed IRA company fees for this. Okay? They may be a percentage of how much you've got sitting with them. It may be a fixed amount every year, but you've got to be prepared. You're going to be paying some fees for this. This is not free. Okay? This is not like money in the bank and, you know, they charge you, you know, five dollars a month for having it there. No, this is a little bit more than that because it's more sophisticated and it should be. It should be more. Uh, so you can't get sore and grouchy that you're being charged fees for having the ability and the freedom to do this. Okay. Now, of course, we could talk about some companies' fees are high, some are lower, some are really, you know, we could get into all that. I'm not going to do that here with you now on this video podcast and, and, and in our meeting here. It's not the time or the place uh, because there are companies I recommend. And there are companies I recommend you run away from. Uh, and I know that because I've dealt with a lot of them as an investor and as a manager. Uh, but I won't get into that here. Um, but you just need to know that that is part um, that is part of it. Uh, and so the last thing that you need to be aware of is with an IRA, every year your IRA um, self-directed custodian is going to send you an email, or maybe they might still use regular mail sometimes. And they're going to request a value from you. Okay, they're going to request a value. So they want to know on an annual basis, hey, how much is your IRA worth? Because if you're self-directing it, how are they going to know how much it's worth? They're not. They're going to depend on you to know how much it's worth so you can report to them what that value is. So, why is this important to know? Number one, because of the reasons I just told you. They're going to expect you to contact them with a value because you're the one that's investing it wherever you're investing it. In our case, we're talking multifamily, right? So, they're going to depend on you to tell them that. So, how do you tell them that? How do you tell them that? Well, it's pretty easy. Number one, for those of you that invest with a, in a partnership, you're passive, uh, you're involved in stuff like with me. Um, you just get a hold of my office and we tell you what it is. Okay, that's pretty easy. So um, I know this last week we had actually quite a few of these come in. You know, with our partner saying, "Hey, 
Um, <clears throat> my self-directed custodian wants to know how much my partnership value is worth. How much is it worth? Okay, Frank, yours is worth this much. We say, okay, Frank, it's worth X. And so Frank reports that, and he's good to go for another year. Okay. Um, if you own your own real estate and you're doing your own thing, then you need to either get the property appraised, uh, you need to at least have some kind of an appraisal or some kind of a method of valuing it, and not just, well, I bought it for 100000 last year. It's probably worth uh, 900000 Okay, 900000 Here's how much it is. No, you, no, no, you can't do it that way. you got to have some kind of um, measurement for it, not just you picked it out of the air measurement. Appraisal, uh, assessment, those kinds of things. Because um, they will ask you, what, how are you coming up with the value? Okay, so great, you told us the value. How are you coming up with it? Where are you, where's it coming from? And the answer of, well, I just think that's pretty much what it's worth is not, <laughs> is not going to fly. Okay, so our folks, we have appraisals done on all of our properties about every 14-ish months or so. And so we've got the appraisals, we've got that locked in. And so now we know... Um, where we are at there. All right, and so, you know, one of the last things you want to know is make sure you keep track of your statements and you review your accounts, your IRA accounts, every quarter. So about every quarter, most self-directed IRA companies will provide you a statement for you to look at. You've got to make sure it looks like it makes sense, uh, that there's no nothing that looks weird or goofy on there. Um, especially when it comes to the valuation process, okay, that is, um, that's important. So make sure you look at those, you actually read those, you don't just put them in a pile on your desk somewhere and then forget about them. Uh, you want to make sure that you read those and check those out. Um, so those would be kind of my quick, you know, down to the uh, down to the bottom of what you need to know and how you need to do it. And, uh, and, and a lot of times, again, I think, I, personally, I've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of IRA, 401k out there invested. Okay. Um, and it's easy. And I'm glad I did it. And I recommend most people do it if they can um, and the process, like I said, is easy. However, there are a few things you've got to know, you need to be aware of, that I went over with you, uh, that uh, you really don't want to find some of this out later. Not that anything is bad, but the big thing really is just keep the personal guarantee part in mind. Uh, I see that more than I should uh, from well-meaning people, uh, and you just want to avoid that. I mean... You know, you really want to avoid personal guarantees anyway, uh, but that's another subject for another time. So, uh, so that gives you my quick IRA class, investing class. Um, if you've got any questions, you know, and I'm talking now to the folks on video or um, listening to the podcast, you know, feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to let you know who I use for my IRA custodian, my self-directed custodian, I'll tell you who I use, why I use them. Uh, I don't get paid anything for it. It's not like I'm advertising, you know, getting paid or any kind of referral fees. 
uh, for that. Happy to let you know who that is and um, you know, allow you to have a conversation with them to see about really getting this up and going for you. The last thing I would mention about it is just really briefly, I don't know how much longer this is going to be open for, let's just say, the typical investor like us to be able to do. And it's because, um, you know, the current administration, and I am recording this in early 2021. The current administration is looking for money to fund a variety of things that they feel is important. Okay, whether or not you agree or disagree with that politically is not my point. My point, though, is they're looking for money. And this is an area that is ripe to take off the table so they can get more access to your money. Okay? So I would not, if this is, bottom line is if you're serious about this, I wouldn't sit around and think about it for six months. I'd like start doing something. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would say this has got to be at least one of the things that is being discussed uh, that would be really tempting to take off the table. So I'd get involved in this sooner versus later. Okay, so has this been helpful to you guys? Good, good, I'm glad. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com.